Hi, welcome to the Lakeside Church Weekend Messages podcast. My name is Jacob. I'm a creative arts protege here at Lakeside, and I'm super excited that you're listening with us. I want to take a quick second to let you know how Lakeside is responding to COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus. We believe that we are called to be carriers of hope and courage during times like these, and we are also called to respect our governing bodies as Christ followers. Our government has asked us to postpone our gatherings as we respond globally to COVID-19, and so we've decided to pre-record some of our gatherings so we can still worship together at home. This feed will still only feature the message portion of the gatherings, but if you want to experience our gatherings in full while you're at home, we will be live streaming them at our normal service times on the weekends, and you'll be able to watch past weekends if you missed a gathering on our website. You can find links for these videos and updated information about everything we as a church are doing to respond to COVID-19 at lakesidechurch.com and on our Facebook page. We love you, and we are super excited to see you all again soon. Good morning, Lakeside. Hope you guys are doing well. I am so excited to share with you today. We've been on this journey in this series called Transformational Questions for the last few weeks. And these questions are questions that we need to be asking ourselves fairly regularly because the way in which we answer them has such a huge impact on the way in which we live and how we understand Jesus's call to live out his mission. Today, we are talking about the question, who is our neighbor? And I I love this question because it's a question that if you've been in the church for a while, you're, you're probably pretty familiar with uh, the, the concept of neighbor. But in our world, it carries all these different connotations. In, in our world, when we think of neighbor, we think of the person that lives right next door to us. Um, in my case, I'm super blessed in that scenario because my next door neighbor is Chris Daniels, our middle school pastor. And we have a great time living next door to each other and helping each other out and doing all sorts of great things together. And, and that's awesome. But that doesn't really encompass the full concept of who is my neighbor. I could think that my neighbor is the person that lives in my neighborhood, so my particular section of Folsom. Or I could think of my neighbor as maybe even all of Folsom. But the reality is that this concept of neighbor within the scriptures is really far broader than just our geographic location. In fact, the concept of neighbor extends itself to really everyone. Everyone is our neighbor. This question came up to Jesus in Luke 10, where a Pharisee was asking, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus said that you need to keep the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I've heard that phrase said over and over and over again. It often becomes monotonous. In fact, you may be thinking, like, why are we talking about loving our neighbor as ourselves? Again, that's part of the DNA of Lakeside is we want to love our neighbor as ourselves. And when I first was kind of going through that, really focusing in on it, I, I thought that I had the interpretation of that statement perfectly figured out. I thought that the idea of loving my neighbor as myself meant to love my neighbor in the way that I desire to be loved. And the way that I desire to be loved really as a neighbor is the way that most introverts desire to be loved. And that is really just to have a peaceful, quiet kind of 
keep to yourself neighborhood. Like I don't want to be imposed upon. I don't want to be disrupted. I don't want a lot of noise. And and really, I just want to know that my neighborhood is safe. I want to know that my neighbors are taking care of their homes. And I want to know that I don't have to do a whole lot. That's not a very good attitude, but that, that tends to be how I'm wired. And so when I read that passage, it was like, oh, love my neighbors myself. So if I don't want those things in my life and I would consider that to be loving, then that's what I need to do for my neighbor is not impose and not be noisy and not, you know, throw big parties. And I need to maintain my house and, and make sure that I'm keeping my neighborhood as safe as I can because I need to love my neighbor as I want to be loved. That took on a whole new meaning for me a couple of years ago when I was living in Washington. Lauren and I, we had our house and and we loved our home, but there would be seasons where it became really difficult to just kind of do the basics of home ownership. And those seasons were typically in the summertime because in the summer as a youth pastor, it gets super busy. And so I would be gone on trips, on retreats, at events, and all of these things. And, and the last thing that I wanted to do when I got home was mow my lawn. And I discovered one day when I came home that my lawn had been mowed. But not only had my lawn been mowed, it had been edged. And that's like a level above mowing the lawn. It was, even on my good days, I hated edging it. And so I just would just let it be and just mow it and call it good. And I couldn't figure out how this had happened. I couldn't figure out how my lawn got mowed because I knew that Lauren didn't do it because Lauren maintains that she doesn't know how to mow the lawn. I think that's a lie, but she maintains she doesn't know how to mow the lawn. And so I knew she didn't do it. So who else could have done it? And I realized uh, after thinking about it, and a couple days later, I saw my neighbor Kelly, and Kelly was this sweet mid-60s woman who lived next door. She was single, um, and she had decided one day to undertake, during the summer, mowing my lawn without asking, without inquiring of if it was a need. She just decided she was going to do it, and she did it because she knew that summer was super busy for me. She knew that I always had a lot going on, that I was gone a lot. She was a Jesus follower, and and so she believed in what I was doing, and she felt like the best way that she could love me was to meet that need for me. And so she would mow my lawn, and she would edge it. And it was this beautiful thing of grace that was being bestowed upon me as she was loving me in the way that I needed to be loved. Not necessarily how she would receive love, but the way I needed to receive love. And when we think about loving our neighbors ourselves in that way, it's not so much about loving them in the way that we want to be loved, but loving them to the level that we love ourselves. To what extent are you willing to go and take care of yourself? To what extent are you willing to meet your needs and make sure that you are taken care of? Now take that level and apply that to those around you. Not just your next door neighbor, not just your neighborhood, but to everyone. To the level to which you would love yourself is the level to which you should love your neighbor. And so when we ask ourselves, who is our neighbor? We begin to look at who qualifies for that level of love. Who's deserving of it? 
I think a lot of times when we think of who qualifies to that level of love and who's deserving of it, our, our list goes from being the entire world is our neighbor and it starts to get smaller and smaller and smaller to the point where only a select few are really, really worthy of being loved to the level that I love myself. But is that how it's supposed to be? I don't think so, and I think that you would agree with me that, it, that it's supposed to be much bigger than that, much more open than that. And there's a story in the book of Acts that involves Peter the Apostle. Now, I used to think that Peter was kind of dense. In fact, I used to think that Peter was one of the most frustrating apostles in all of the gospel accounts because it seemed like, even with Jesus right in front of him, he never got it. He never figured it out. And yet, it wasn't because of a density issue. It was because of a human issue. You know, Peter had Jesus right there, and yet it took him a few times, some repetition to really understand what Jesus was saying. In fact, Peter would have been with Jesus when he made this statement of love your neighbor as yourself. But in the gospel of Acts, we, sorry, not the gospel, the book of Acts, we have this story of Peter having a vision. And this vision is a very particular vision because it is God speaking to Peter in a particular way about a particular issue that is super relevant to where Peter is at. You see, in this vision that Peter has, a sheet is lowered before him. And in this sheet are all these different animals. Animals that for a Jewish culture would have been considered unclean. That they wouldn't have touched, they wouldn't have participated in eating them, they wouldn't have really done anything um, with these animals because, according to the law, they were unclean. And in this vision, God tells Peter, now, kill and eat. And Peter says, no, nothing unclean has ever touched my lips. That vision happened, and within it, three times, God told Peter to kill and eat. He says, what the Lord has made clean, let no one consider unclean. Now, what does that have to do with anything? What does that have to do with our neighbor? What does that have to do with loving our neighbors? Well, the reality of this vision was that God was speaking about something more than food. God was communicating to Peter the broadness of his neighbors, that it wasn't just a Jewish audience anymore. And this story actually begins a few verses earlier with a man named Cornelius. I want to read to you from Acts chapter 10. And it says this, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon, the tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius had called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. 
he told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So Cornelius, he's part of the empire. And it's important to understand that, that Cornelius was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. He was part of the empire. He was part of the group of people that was viewed as oppressing Israel. And he's a God-fearing man, but he doesn't know Jesus at this point. He knows God. He doesn't know Jesus. And he's a Gentile. And all of a sudden, he has this vision from God. And God is saying, go and have your servants go to Joppa and get Peter and bring him to him. Now, after this vision is when Peter has his vision of the sheep being lowered with these animals that were once considered unclean. And God is now saying they are clean. What's the correlation To Jews, Gentiles were unclean. They would never associate with a Gentile because that was against the law. Peter's view of a neighbor was very limited and God just opened it up. And so Peter, after this vision, welcomes these visitors who have said, hey, we have come to get you for our master. Will you come with us? And so Peter goes on this journey following them and he takes this long walk, this couple day walk to Cornelius's house. When he enters Cornelius's house, this is what he says in verse 28. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, three days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Let me read that last part again. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. This is coming from the guy who heard Jesus say the two greatest commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, I always thought Peter was dense. And even now, as I was reading that, it's still so easy to view him as dense because I now realize what you were with Jesus. You heard Jesus say, love your neighbor. But for us, how many times do we have to hear, love your neighbor as yourself and actually put it into practice? You see, when we open up ourselves to the answer to that question, what ends up happening is not only is our community and are our neighbors impacted by the way in which we respond to it, but we also are transformed. Peter was transformed when he realized how big his neighborhood was. How big is our neighborhood? You know, I love it that I get to look out in our world today and see how the church is loving our neighbors in both passive and active ways. 
You know, we're in this time of quarantine. We're not able to be together. You are receiving a sermon from my backyard. And yet, the very act of us quarantining ourselves is an act of loving our neighbor because there are those that are vulnerable. There are those that have immune systems that are compromised. And so an act of loving our neighbor is keeping our distance. We have those that have lost their jobs and we're seeing people give to help support those people. We have those that are without food and we're seeing people give in order to meet those needs. We have those that are lonely and we see people reaching out in community to love on those people. That is loving our neighbor as ourselves because those are things that we know they need. We are raising up the level to which we love people to meet their needs. How beautiful is it when the church loves our neighbors? But the reality is we have to keep asking ourselves that question because like Peter, we probably don't get it the right the first time or the second or the third. We have to keep asking it. And we have to keep seeing where does our definition of neighbor fall short? Where does our answer to the question of who is our neighbor become too limited? If we truly view everyone around us as our neighbor and we truly believe in the words of Jesus that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves in quantity, not in method, then that will transform how we engage with those around us. It will impact the words that we speak to those around us or how we speak about those that are not around us. It will impact the things that we post to Facebook and to social media about those that we disagree with. It will impact the way in which we respond to decisions that we don't like. It will impact the way in which we meet the needs of our community. But we have to keep asking the question, who is our neighbor? Who is your neighbor? It's far too easy to sit back and say, my neighbor is the person that lives next to me. If that's the case, I have the best scenario in the world because I live next to Chris and Chris is easy to love. He's my friend. We actually like each other. But my definition of neighbor has to be far greater than that. And your definition of neighbor needs to grow, but it can't grow if you're not asking the question. That's why this is a transformational question. Who is our neighbor is a way for us to expand our ability to participate in the mission of God. Lakeside's mission that God has placed on our heart is to transform as many people as possible into followers of Jesus. That requires a broad view of the neighborhood. And so when you look at the world around you, when you, when you take in all that there is and all the people that are there, Ask yourself, are you viewing them through the lens of being your neighbor? Because if you're not, then what you're doing is you're placing them into the category of the other. And the other is far too easy to disengage with, to not love, to not view as needing things from you. We have separated ourselves from them. But following Jesus doesn't create others. It creates neighbors. How are you viewing those around you? Jesus teaches us that we have been redeemed because he loved us so much. He was willing to come into the world 
And in comparison to heaven, coming into the world is like going on the wrong side of the tracks. And yet Jesus came and he loved us. And he loved us in the way that we needed to be loved. If we want to be like Jesus, we have to be willing to cross the tracks and to love people as they need to be loved, as Jesus would love them. And so you can begin by asking yourself, who is your neighbor? And then ask yourself, how do I love them as much as I love myself? How do I show them the love of Jesus as much as I need the love of Jesus? You see, when we embrace a broad view of the neighborhood, we open up to transformation in ourselves and in the lives of others. So even in this time of social distancing, of quarantine, of everything that's going on, I would ask you, ask yourself, who is your neighbor? And then figure out a tangible way that you can reach out to your neighborhood, not just your street, but your neighborhood, the whole world, because we are residents of a neighborhood that is much bigger than Folsom, much bigger than California, much bigger than the United States, much bigger than we can even comprehend. And so reach out into your neighborhood and show them the love that they need because that's where they will encounter Jesus and who he is. Will you guys pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for who you are. Lord, you have loved us beyond measure. And God, we are so grateful for that. Lord, I would ask that you would broaden our understanding of who is our neighbor, that you would have us ask that question over and over and over again until our neighborhood encompasses everyone. And then, Lord, I would ask that you would guide us into loving them as much as we love ourselves, maybe even more, to the point of loving them as you love them. God, we are just so in awe of you and what you've done. We praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening. I just want to encourage and remind you again that these are the times that we as Christ followers get to shine and be the hands and feet of Jesus. Rest assured that his promises will never fail us and that he is in control. I would also love to invite you one more time to check out one of our live streams this weekend. We believe that community is important, and these live streams are a great way to connect with your family and friends and worship God while we are all at home. Have a great week. Go with God.